time for the SBL shoot around, and we got the women's competition covered with Giants all time great and two time coach of the year, Randy McGill, joining Chris Pike for all the latest news, analysis, and interviews. Let's go on another SBL shoot around. Hello and welcome to another episode of Women's SBL Shootaround. We're here for the third straight week. Hopefully that means that everyone that's interested in, you know, I guess the SBL, women's basketball or just basketball in Western Australia in general is enjoying what we're producing. We're certainly having a great time bringing this show to you and and hopefully we're getting better each week as well and we've gone to a whole nother level this week in terms of guests. No disrespect at all to Dion D'Agostino from last week but, but this week we've got a SBL, WNBL and Australian Opals superstar to speak to so we're really excited about that we also want to have take some time to have a chat about the new perth Lynx head, head coach who has a very very close link to the sbl competition we've got plenty more to talk about as well here on our third episode of sbl shoot around but that's enough for me to start with i'm chris pike let's head to the star of the show randy meagle how do i find you for another week yeah very well thanks chris yeah it's uh, going to be a, a great interview just looking through darcy's resume like mm. she's got a, a fair trophy cabinet there to <laughs> talk about so yeah looking forward to talking to her and yeah good to be back about um back on the show yeah darcy garman incredible that she's been willing to talk to us here she's had an unbelievable sbl career already and even if even if you just had your sbl career if you were darcy that's enough to to be happy with a, a triple championship winner but also a two-time WNBL championship winner at the townsville fire and she's also represented australia at, at the asia cup and and she's probably probably got world cups and olympic games ahead of her as well um as we mentioned briefly last week randy you know all about coaching against her um terrible to coach against I'm sure, but I'm sure you had enormous respect for her game too. Yeah, I did, absolutely. Um, you know, like just looking at, at, at Darcy's age too, you know, there's still a lot more to come. For sure. So, you know, she's looks 25, 26 years of age, yeah. so she's really right in her prime. And that sort of shows by getting picked in the uh, in the Opal squad uh, at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. So really looking forward to speaking to her. We'll do that after after our first break here on SBL Shoot Around. But here on our third show, and hopefully this is the best sign of all that we're doing something right, Randy. You've been doing doing some some hard yards, and you've been able to secure our first sponsor here on SBL Shoot Around. Very exciting to know that somebody's willing to back us in and and to support us, and we're really excited to partner up with them. What can you tell us about our our first sponsor? Yeah, our Bassett Scarf Realty have come on board. They're a local name in Mandurah Real Estate since 1954. So whether you're looking to buy, sell or rent, um, talk to them. Uh, they're great supporters of Mandurah Sport and, and the Pill area. Yeah, we couldn't be happy to have, have have you on board, Adam. Thanks a lot for your support here and anything we can do to help you, then let's work as a team. That's that's the whole idea here here between us all. So let's, let's try and help each other out and, and move forward on this journey journey together and hopefully he's the, the first of a few. Yeah, let's hope so, eh? Now, also this week, Randy, a lot more to talk about. We've got four more teams to look at how they were shaping up for this SBL season and how they might still be shaping up for this new look competition which we mentioned last week and also as I mentioned the new Perth Lynx coach which we'll get to to shortly but before we move move on to that a little bit of a look back on last week's show um Having a listen back to the interview with Dion D'Agostino, who's a former teammate of yours at the Goldfields Giants, obviously a, a championship-winning player at the Perry Lakes Hawks and, and now the Warwick Senators coach. Um 
apart from his voice being a little bit scratchy, as, as it is always with Dion, it was a, a fascinating interview. And, and I guess what we want from our, our guests and, and what we're hoping for here on SBL Shoot Around is to give them the comfort to open up and maybe discuss some things that they don't get to in any other avenues and to find out, I guess, about his history at Perry Lakes and the way it ended there and why he got back involved in coaching now with the Senators and how passionate it is. It was a, a fascinating story to listen to. Yeah, we've got some uh, really good feedback from a lot of people about uh, Dion and and his story and that, and I, I think he's really focused on on taking the Senators to the next yeah. step. You know, just by what they're doing on the floor already. You know, I think they're going to be one of those teams that are going to be ready to go and you know are going to get some runs on the board early. Mm. Now, any of the teams that we spoke about, we spoke about the Coburn Cougars, the East Perth Eagles, the Calamundra Eastern Suns, and the Joondalup Wolves. Did you get any feedback about our our breakdown of any of those teams? No, no one mentioned any think about um about those four teams mm. so i'm pretty i'm thinking that it was, we got it pretty right yep um, yep one comment I got, Tyrone Thwaites wanted to make sure that he, we knew that he didn't appoint himself as coach. So we just wanted to clear that up. And obviously, I guess when we said that last week, it was a little bit in, in jest and it was the, the board that appointed Tyrone as coach of the, the Cougars, not himself. Yeah, it was in jest. Um, you know, I, I was going to mention that maybe all the resumes and, <laughs> and job applications went missing, but yeah, I, I th- thought we'd better not. Yeah, thanks to thanks to Tyrone for getting in touch. Thanks, and Tyrone. <laughs> we'll, and we will get him on the show at, in the coming weeks and have a chat to him as well because he's got a he's got a fascinating basketball journey of his own to, to share as well. And he's used to talking on the radio, given his what he does as a career as well. So he might bring some some extra class to the show. Yeah, well, he was the MC at the SPL Awards a mm-hmm. couple of years ago, so he's a good speaker. Yeah. So. Now, let's move on to talk about the Perth Lynx new head coach, Randy, a man that you know very well. You had many a battle in those Rockingham and Mandurah rivalries over, over that five-year period when you were coaching the Magic. Ryan Petrick, he's been an assistant to Andy Stewart at the Lynx now for the, the last few years, and... He's got his chance to be the head coach, and I, to me, it's a terrific appointment. And the best part of it is that it shows that there's a, a true, I guess, pathway now for coaches in for in basketball in WA and coming through the SBL, where if you do all the right things and you impress the right people and you have some success, that you can can end up at the top level, which I think is a is a great thing. Yeah, well, you know, the early days coaching against Ryan, they just absolutely had it over us, you mm. know, and um, it was a, a a different level. And just watching him go about it and stuff like that, you know. I knew I had to get better myself and, you know, I did did actually um, ask Ryan a few things the mm. way he went about stuff and so he's helped me out as well and just looking at his, at his resume, he really has done some groundwork there, you know, being a, an assistant coach at the Rockingham Flames before he took the, the head coach for a number mm. of years so he really worked his way through to, to those championship yeah. years and where he is now so it's it's really, really, really good to see. In some ways similar to the way you did it, he was four years as an assistant to the Flames men's team and then he took over as the women's coach and that's what that's what you did at, at Mandurah where you were assistant um, to the men's team then you took over the women's team does it help to does it help to have a background in, in both in both the women's and the men's game when you're when you're coaching uh, hard one to say I I think um, men uh, oh, it's 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 the, the women you got to be a little bit more strategic I think as far as um, what you do on the floor I think the men individually are a lot more athletic so they can make things happen in offense and, and defense but I, I mean any sort of basketball that you watch you know you take little bits and pieces from here and there to, to help you out so yeah I think the four years doing the men with Manda um, put me in good stead yeah yeah 
Yeah. Now, as, as you mentioned, he was four years assistant coach, and then he took over in 2012 and, and took a team that was pretty much a basket case to a, a grand final in that 2012 season. He was named coach of the year in that season as well. Um, and then two years later, he won back-to-back championships. So, you know, in three of his first four seasons as coach, as coach, he reached grand finals. And they had a rebuilding season. It would have been 2017 where they had a terrible season, but he rebuilt them into a into a force again in 2018. And then he, he stepped aside to take over the, the men's coaching job. But I think it's fair to say, a lot of the hard work that was done in their championship win last season was probably based on the groundwork that he'd done to put that that team together so I mean that run that he had for seven years at at the Rockingham Flames is is one of the best probably coaching stints that the the women's competition has seen over the over the journey yeah it's incredible isn't it um his win percentage must be really really high mm. i don't know whether you've got it on hand no, no, not handy, but, but it'd be, you know it'd have to be over 75 percent 80 yep. I, I'd, I'd be guessing and, and the 2017 year you spoke about where he was rebuilding you know they still weren't you know a cellar dweller mm. by any means if they only got a couple of wins on the board by memory but it was always a tough game sure. you know so um yeah full credit to to ryan great identifier of talent as well I having spoken to him over the years I know the amount of time and effort he put into recruiting and to researching his imports and and he just left absolutely no no stone left unturned in the research and time he would put into the players that he would bring in to his program and when you have a look at the record and Sammy Wickham is the obvious one he basically pulled her from from nowhere she became an SBL player and now she's gone on to become a WNBA NBA player and and She's one of the one of the best shooting guards in in the world, and and it was all after Ryan pretty much pulled her from nowhere to give her this chance in in the SBL. Yeah, an absolute ripper of a player just to be on the court like when she was on there. <laughs> yeah. You know, best seats in the house watching Sammy Whitcomb go about it. Um, and yeah, like you say, Ryan identified her uh, to come over, and he also brought you know a lot of other good imports over during mm. his time as well. Coaching against him, did you always feel like you had to be right on top of your game? Because he, to me, he's one of the best best basketball minds we've got in the state. Did you always were you always wary of that when you would coach against him? Yeah, I did try to change a few things up. I know, you know, he, he watches a lot of film and stuff like that. Mm. So we tweaked a lot of stuff uh, during the game. We worked mm-hmm. on prior to the Rockingham games, and then sort of would start the same as what we always have, and mm. then and then try and change it a little bit as we as we went along. Mm. Um, kept it simple so the girls knew what was going on, but there were there were definitely tweaks to try and you mm. know adjust to what Ryan would have been doing. Did you always think that he had the ability to go to the next level? Are you surprised that he's now a WNBL head coach or did you think that he always had the ability to to do something like that? No, I'm not surprised. I think the dedication and the time he spends on on on, on the art of coaching is is um, held him in good stead, and I'm I'm really 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 excited to see what he can do. Mm. Now, his first job is to sign some players. Do you reckon there's any chance, we'll ask her about this ourselves um, when we speak to her shortly, but before we do, is there any chance you might be able to bring Darcy back home? Well, let's hope so. You mm. know, like that would be a, a major coup and, you know, um, this is her home state. So yeah. I'm sure the links have sort of mentioned to Ryan that they want to try and keep local players yeah. playing in the WNBL and Darcy being a senior player now would be the, the perfect choice. And then Whitcomb wouldn't be too bad either. If those are his first two signings, then he's doing something right. Yeah, well, that'd be an amazing signing. You know, mm. I think that'd be uh, getting the people through the gates as yeah. well to watch her play. Have you ever had any ambition to have a crack at, you know, some sort of role at a WNBL or NBL level? Has anything ever come across your desk where you've been able to consider it or would you like to consider it one day? Um, probably not. I think, um, you know, the level that I've coached at, I mean, the time 
that um, is involved at that level is, is completely sure. different. I mean, I, I'm quite happy to make comment if someone asks me on yep. what they thought, but to, to be a, a head coach or an assistant coach is a whole different level, I think, yep. than, than the SBL. So it doesn't interest me at this stage. <laughs> okay. no. <laughs> so, so maybe it's not a phone call that Ryan should bother to make, but we do hope to speak to Ryan on the show in the coming weeks. So we'll keep you informed about how we go with that. Um, Let's keep moving on this first segment here, Randy, before we get to Darcy Garvin. And this might be one you'd, you'd rather skip, but I have promised that we'll we'll get to it during during our shows here. So let's get to the 2017 Grand Final. You took your Mandurah Magic team into the Grand Final. You, you, you yourselves and the Perry Lakes Hawks that whole season were neck and neck, pretty much fighting over, over top spot. You were clearly the two best teams in the competition. Um, did you always feel like it was inevitable that it would be you two playing in the Grand Final that year? Yeah, I think you'd have to throw Lakeside in there yep. as, as well. Um, they were they were obviously right up there as as well. We we when you looked at the win and loss column, yeah, I think we were both cleared mm. it cleared out from everyone. Yep. So in in that way, yes, we were the best two teams. I think you had a, a tougher road to the grand final because you had to go through Lakeside, and that was a, a hell of a semi final series where you ended up getting that game three. You know, I think a lot of it, you know, and that's why you get that record during the regular season is to get Game 3 on your home court. You got that Game 3 win down at Mandurah. That was a, a great feeling. But, yeah, Lakeside really made you, made you earn, it, earn it, led by Schwagmeyer. Yeah, it was an amazing series, that. I think it just fueled them for the following year. So. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> but um, it was a physical series too, and uh, it really did take quite a bit out of us. And yep. you are right, if that Game 3 was in Lakeside, you know, the result probably would have been different. How banged up were you? as a group heading into that grand final perhaps not as much as as 12 months later but were your bodies still pretty sore heading into the grand final we had two major, um, or when I say major, two um, of our top players that were quite injured. Carly Bogue was carrying a real bad right. um, yeah. ankle and Milo had a broken hand. Mm. Um, they'd both played the, the previous Sunday um, yep. in a bit of bit of stress. Mm. Um, but other than that, we were healthy and, mm-hmm. you know, and that's not to take anything away from Perry Lakes, but both Carly and Casey are tough girls and they, you know, they wanted to continue on. Yeah. Um, so those two were really, really quite sore. Who were your Who were your focuses on to try to shut down in that Perry Lakes team? Obviously, Nat Burden and Tony Tony Farnworth in the in the front court were always going to be keys. Were they Were they the two that you gave most of your focus to in the lead up to the game? Yeah, probably. Um, you know, I was really worried about their height, yep. um, and with Carly being, you know, really not be able to jump too high. You know, she was a bit grounded, and uh, just the high low action between um, Burton and Sticks. You know, that worried me. I uh, thought uh, Rachel Aline and Kelly Bailey could keep um, Edmondson to mm. her average, yep. you know, which is fair. And I thought our guards could, you know, look after Jefferson and and those types. So it was more the the two big girls that I was worried about um, the most. As it turned out, from memory, Nikki Gilday had a, a really big first half, and then they they locked down on her in the second half. I think it was it was Korsky that went to her in the second half and, and shut her down. How much an impact in the final result did did that have? It did because you know Nikki was putting the points on the board, and like we say, Carly and Casey, our other two major scorers, mm. were were sort of hurting a little bit, and we didn't get anything, any sort of too much more from anyone else. You know, I think we only scored forty eight points. Yep. So we, you know, played a little bit scared in one way. I think once Nikki got Nikki dried up, we just couldn't find another avenue to score, and and then they just overrun us. The stats wise, the two things that stand out. Free throws. They went to the line 22 times. You only got there seven. Is that 
were you unhappy with the calls that were made on the night or were they attacking the basket more or what was what was behind that oh probably because of their bigs yeah. you know what i mean they play play a lot of like i said a lot of high low action the ball gets pumped inside a lot so yeah <coughs> our girls have got a tendency to to hack a lot mm-hmm. you know that's just the way they play they're, yeah. they're quite a physical side and maybe it was a home court advantage as well Yep, <laughs> maybe. And and as you said, the height, the rebounding count, obviously a big factor. Forty-two rebounds to thirty-one. Yep. When you've got when you've got that burden inside, pulling in fifteen boards, I guess. I guess that's where you get the great benefit of her. Yeah, the girls, you know, battle battle hard, you know, week in, week out. But at the end of the day, that height just tells at the end of the game. So. Mm. Yeah, Sarah Donovan as well had eight rebounds too. It was probably just about the best game I've seen Lauren Jeffers play as well. Often she plays. Plays out of control and you can probably probably take advantage of her turnovers because she plays at such a high pace and sometimes maybe she's she's acting before she's thinking in, in some way she's that sort of player but that was one of the best games I've seen her play and numbers wise six, 16 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists and the fact that she was matched up with Nikki Gilday for a lot of the night she... You probably weren't expecting her to deliver as much as she did. Yeah, no, probably not. But, um, you know, she's an experienced player yeah. and, um, yeah, we sort of probably didn't focus on her as much as we should. Um, we did have a plan for her, um, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, she had a night out. So uh, good luck to her. If <laughs> if Carly Bogue was fully healthy, how much more do you think she could have produced than her seven points on? Three of twelve shooting. Uh, a lot, a lot more. I mean, she was sort of just basically sitting out on the three-point line. To be honest, we didn't sort of see any of her drives and you know, and her, and her body strength inside the keyway. So we would have seen a little bit more from from Carly. Now, just finally, um, after that game, what did you learn from it? What did you want to? What did you think you might have needed to just fix up so you could go from being a grand final team to a championship-winning team the next year? That's a really good um, question, Chris, because um, the noise factor, you know, we probably needed more hand signals so we could get yeah. the messages across. Sure. Um, that was one thing. I thought we got to the game too early. Um, yep. We're out on the court, you know, an hour and a half, mm. two hours. I thought, well, they're way too early. So whether we used a little bit of nervous energy up. Yeah. So those two things we focused on the year after. Yep. Got there later. And also worked on a lot of hand signals and mm-hmm. stuff like that, just with the noise. Mm. Now, I know it's probably not a lot of fun, but I think a lot of people will find it fascinating to, to hear the way you you feel about, about that grand final and how you look back on it now. And, yeah, I mean, that Perry Lakes team coached by, by, by Docky Smith, they, they had a great season. They fully deserved it. And, again, it was great to see somebody that's come through the system and, uh, you know, her fir- her first season as a as a proper head coach. I know she'd coached at Coburn before that, but that was while she was she was still playing. Um, it's good to see. Good, to, firstly, good to see a woman coach and have some success, but also good to see somebody that's come through pathways and done the hard work in the SBL get a chance as a coach and have some successes. As much as you you wish that she didn't on the, on that night. Yeah, no, she's a, she was a really good coach, um, Deanna, and you know she's she'd done a lot of hard work with those girls as a player as well. You know, as much as she probably wasn't coaching them as such, she, she probably was. And to make that uh, change from a player to a coach wouldn't be easy. Mm. So she's obviously got a lot of respect in the group. And you know, there's a couple of little things she done late in the game, which I think you know changed the game. They she sent you know Edmondson to the into a horn set yeah. to isolate her on the on the block. You know, and uh, 
she, I think she scored twice from from that sort of yep. play. So just little things you pick up on as a as an opposition coach. Well, that's the one thing we didn't didn't mention. She ended up being grand final MVP, and she was the difference in in that fourth quarter. Twenty six points. She ended up with eight rebounds. Um, she just came up with big play after big play when it mattered the most. Unfortunately for you, Randy, but. Um, Let's wrap that up now because I'm sure you've had, you've had enough talking about that. But let's move on. Let's wrap up this first segment and let's move to our second segment because we've got Darcy Garbin, a very special guest here on SBL Shootaround 2, to speak to. Here we go! Okay, back here on SBL Shootaround and a great honour for us, Randy, to be joined by by this guest. She's a she's an SBL superstar, a WNBL superstar, an Opal superstar, so she's probably almost too good for our show here, but hopefully all of our listeners appreciate her joining us. Darcy Garbin, how do we find you on a on a wintry wintry night here in, in WA? But hopefully it's one where you're starting to think that basketball's getting a bit closer to coming back. Yeah, I'm back home. I'm obviously with the COVID stuff. I've had to leave Queensland and move back home. And yeah, I'm not enjoying this winter too much. But um, yeah, it's exciting that there is a possibility that basketball could be starting up soon. Uh, Darcy, what have you been doing to actually keep yourself uh, fit? And whereabouts are you? Are you are you in Western Australia or are you up in Townsville? Um, yeah, so I've moved back home with my parents. So I'm back down in Rockingham and um, at First, I had to quarantine for two weeks, so I was fortunate enough to have some gym equipment um, that I borrowed off a friend, and we had a bit of a gym set up here at home, and then since the restrictions have eased, I've been able to get into a basketball stadium over the last couple of weeks, and um, been doing a few individuals, and um, yeah, been lifting a bit as well. What were your plans for this year? Had you planned on coming back to the Flames to play this SBL season, and then obviously you'd have to tie that in with whatever Opal's commitment you, you would have, or what were your plans for, for this, this off-season? Um, I had actually signed on play the NBL 1, which was going to be the NBL North in Townsville. Oh, okay. yep. um, yeah, so I was going to stay up there for a season, and then sort of as um, things unfolded with COVID, they ended up delaying the season, and with the WA borders closing, I decided to sort of pack up and just come home and see what happened. And they've since cancelled that season, mm. so yeah, it's just it's interesting because I don't really know what's happening with basketball. But yeah, I'm just lucky that you know I'm in a position where I can come home to WA, and it wasn't yeah, it wasn't too bad. You mentioned those two weeks of isolation. Apart from doing those workouts with the home gym you had, how did you pass that that time? Uh, a lot of Netflix, <laughs> reading. Yeah. Um, my sister was home as well from Sydney, so her and I hung out a little bit. Um, we're complete opposites, and she loves dressing up and makeup and all that, so I was a bit of, I uh, had to be her model sometimes, and <laughs> she was doing my nails and all that, much to my disgust. But, um, yeah, it kind of went by really quickly, um, and yeah, it was nice to have a bit of a break. What about um, uh, Sophie at basketball? Is she she any good? And what about yourself at netball, Darcy? Did you have a few games <laughs> um, growing up? Um, yeah, I played a little bit of netball growing up. I think Sophie might be a better basketballer than I am a netballer. Um, <laughs> I did play one off-season of netball in Townsville, just local comp, and I loved it. Um, but yeah, Sophie actually used to play a bit of basketball. She probably played, I think she went to Country Cup a couple of times. Um, she wasn't too bad, but yeah, we both uh, chose separate sports, which I think is a good thing for our parents because I don't know how they'd go if we were both playing netball or both playing basketball. I think we're a little bit too competitive for that. 
Just got a, a question that um, I want to throw at you. Uh, just your younger days in Cambodia and Kalgoorlie, you obviously come through the CBC Basketball Club. What sort of influence did Jeffrey Hobber have on you? Uh, yeah, Jeff had a massive influence on my basketball career growing up in Kalgoorlie. Um, he was my coach for a lot of the years and I did a lot of individual trainings with him. Um, so yeah, he had a massive influence. His mum and my nana related somehow. So yeah, he kind of, I guess, took me under his wing a little bit and saw some potential and I'm you know, really glad. Um, that he did put a lot of time into me during those younger years. Yeah, it's funny that he he um, always seems to wear shorts in the winter because he, he thinks <laughs> he's got the best calves going around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> always always in short. Um, and to this day, he still claims that he can beat me in a game of horse, but I deny that. Um, and yeah, it's also funny. I think he coached me for CBC one year and I was struggling. I didn't know whether I wanted to be number four or number 14. And his son, Brent, who, uh, played basketball, played NBL, um, was number 14. So that's kind of a little behind the story, well, story behind why I play number 14. Yeah. Fantastic, uh, guy, Jeff, and they're, they're a fan, fantastic family. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this is an SBL show, Darcy. When we when we think of SBL teams and and players over the over, I guess over this last decade, the Rockingham Flames have been been fantastic. Obviously, you've played in three of those championships, and you've had Ryan Petrick as your coach for a lot of those years, up until Keegan Crawford obviously took you to the title title last year. He's now been appointed coach of the Perth Lynx. Um, how happy are you for for him to get that chance? Oh, I think it's awesome for Ryan. You know, I'm really glad that, um, you know, the link or Basketball WA chose to go with someone from WA and, you know, not really advertise outside for that job. I think Ryan's put in, you know, a lot of hard work, both in the SBL and as an assistant in the WBL for the last five years. So, yeah, couldn't be happier for him. And I think, um, you know, it's a really exciting time to see what he's going to do with this um, Perth Lynx team. I know you've been really close with him for a long time. What makes him such a good such a good coach? Um, I think just his X's and O's and how he understands the game. Yeah. Um, Ryan is just awesome to play for. Um, he loves basketball, and you can tell that he puts so much time and effort into um, you know trainings and games, and just making sure that we are prepared. Um, even for SBL, we used to watch I want to say hours and hours of film, and I'd be like, why are we why are we watching so much film? It's SBL, but you know, credit to him, we we did win those two championships, and we were always prepared for the game, and he always had you know plan A, B, C, D. So yeah, he's a great coach. Now, I'm not sure if he's touched base with you yet, but if he hasn't, then I'm sure he's going to soon. Um, you're a free agent, WNBL-wise, right now. Is there any chance you'll play for him at the Perth Lynx next next season? Uh, you'll have to wait and see. Uh, free agency did open up only not even a week ago, so still sorting through you know, what I want to do. and um, It's just been such a weird time, like I said, with the COVID. Um, it's been delayed so much, free agency, so it's kind of just been waiting for that. So, um, yeah. I've been at Townsville for five years, mm. so it'll be uh, just trying to figure out what I want to do. Well, you've had great success there as well, two championships, obviously, even though last season was a bit of a down one, you've had great success up there as well. Is it fair to say you would be choosing between Townsville and Perth, or if someone else came in with an offer, would you consider that too? Um, I'm just kind of leaving all my options open at the moment. I haven't been a free agent since, I think it's 2015, yeah. so... Yeah, I don't want to, um, 
you know, just only decide between two clubs. But, yeah, leaving all my options open and, yeah, something I have to sort of sit down and discuss um, probably with my parents and just, you know, think what's going to be best for my basketball going forward. Now, we hear that there's going to be some sort of a replacement for the SBL, some sort of a, a competition that's still going to be um, playing here locally over, over the winter, p- potentially starting next month and maybe a full round of, of matches and then a, then a final series. Um, would you be still here for that? Would you consider playing for, for Rockingham in that sort of a competition or we we just wait and say? Um, yeah, I've heard that something's going on. I don't think I'm going to play, but I have told Keegan that I'm willing to help him out in a coaching capacity, <laughs> whether uh, that's an assistant coach or just someone down there at training to help him, which will be kind of weird, I guess, because mm. it would be a lot of my old teammates from last year. But yeah, probably not so much interested in playing, but um, yeah, definitely willing to help Keegan and, you know, Rockingham basketball has, you know, given me so much. Um, so I'm yeah, definitely happy to help out and give back. Darcy, just as a current Opal squad member, there there was a upcoming camp in late June, I believe. Has Basketball Australia contacted you with any update on that? Um, yeah, I think ages ago, or maybe March, when um, all of this went down, it was kind of decided that all of our camp um, weren't going ahead, um, and we're just kind of playing it by ear at the moment. Um, we do have Zoom, like a sort of a group Zoom meeting once a month where we kind of just catch up. And yeah, at this stage, it doesn't look like there's going to be any camp until the restrictions ease. So we're kind of just, um, yeah, playing it day to day. Now, you were hoping to be preparing to go to Tokyo for the Olympics pretty much right now. It would have been getting getting very close and obviously you would have been in camp for that and had to earn selection, but it was a real possibility. What does the, the year delay do for you? Does that give you extra hope of making that team? Does it make you, I guess... Extra nervous for another 12 months to wait and find out if you make the team. What does the, the year delay for the Olympics do for your for your mindset? Um, I think it's just another opportunity to get better. It's a whole, you know, 12 months to get stronger, fitter, work on the things on um, my game that I need to get better at. Um, just, you know, in that time, get so many more shots up. Um, but no, I'm excited that we do have another year to get better. Um, and I think it's yeah, a great opportunity going into next year. I think there's probably going to be a lot of camps and maybe pre-tournaments just mm. because everything is going to be condensed. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. Um, it is disappointing and yeah, you're always nervous and a little bit anxious about what's going to happen, but I think it's a really good opportunity just to get better. How much did you learn from being at the Asia Cup last year? And the more time you get to spend in the Opal system, do you start to feel more and more comfortable as being part of it? Yeah, I guess I think back to my first tournament going away with the Opals, I was super nervous. And yeah, the more you're around it is, you know, people talk about it being a sisterhood and it is like that. Um, Even when, you know, um, you go away, it might not be a major tournament, but it is international experience and you do get to, you know, form bonds with those girls. So any chance you get to go away, um, it's an honour. And yeah, the more opportunities you have, the more comfortable you get, the more comfortable you get in Sandy's system. So, yeah. Now, this WNBL season, it looks like it'll be played without imports. What sort of an impact does that have? Is that, can you know, what positives can you take out of that? And I guess for somebody like yourself, does it, give you the opportunity to be an even bigger focus on whatever team you end up end up signing with? Um, yeah, I think it's an awesome opportunity for girls that are probably, you know, maybe usually development player positions that are now going to be elevated to 
you know, eight, nine, ten, and going to be on a roster and get to travel with a team. So I think for basketball um, in Australia, it's just great for the development. And yeah, I think it is going to be a big year for those sort of Opals um, players that are going to be, you know, the main focus in teams now that there is no imports. And yeah, um, I think it's just going to make us better. And I think that's a great thing leading into the Olympic year. Now, obviously, I'm here sitting here with Randy to do this show, and you, when you were playing for Rockingham and Randy was coaching Mandra, you had plenty of plenty of good battles, and that was a, a great rivalry that you had going between the two the two clubs. What are your memories of Randy as a coach and coming up again against his coached teams? Um, yeah, with Mandra, I don't know what it is, but Rockingham and Mandra, we've got this great rivalry, and you know, no matter where we are on the ladder or what our record is, always a close game, and even to um, Last year in the finals, I reckon, we played Mandra first round. Is that right, Randy? Yeah, yep, yep. And I think that was our, you know, we went through, we played Perry Lakes and then Sterling in the grand final. But I think that Mandra's first round was two or three of the hardest games that we did play. And yeah, the Mandra girls, they're always tough. They're always ready. Um, And yeah, I love that we do have that really good rivalry. Yeah, I remember thinking at that time last year, it was a shame that you had to meet in the first round because that you, uh, to me, you were, you were the two best clubs in it last year. It was a shame that it wasn't the grand final. Yeah, that definitely could have been. I had that game two, I think, down in Mandra. Yep. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, game two in Mandra definitely felt like a grand final game. Um, It was close. I don't think it was any more than a couple of points for the whole game. So, yeah, it was a shame that we crossed over like that, but we probably... um. We finished probably a little bit lower on the ladder than we probably were expect to. I think we yeah, finished seven, fifth yeah. last year. Yeah, so we yeah, probably a top four finish would have um, probably made a little bit more even. But yeah, it was a really really tough series. Yeah, they, those games between Rockingham and Mandra, as you said, Darcy, they tend to go a different, get to a different level and come quite physical. And that yeah, in that game last year, like you said, I think it was game two that um, I think Kelly Bailey had the shot on the buzzer to, mm. to tie it up or, or win. I'm not too sure. Yeah. So that yeah, it was a close series. Yeah, I remember that. There was a three, I don't know, we left a wide open. <laughs> now that I think about it, I just remember it all happened in slow motion. But yeah, it was a really close game. And um, yeah, that is just typical of Rockingham versus Mandra. When you look back to that last season, it was remarkable the way it played out. Obviously, you had a new coach coming into it with Ryan, you know, moving on to the Mandra job. So you, for the first time, in your time playing in Rockingham, you didn't have Ryan as your coach, and obviously it didn't quite work out with Craig Reynolds. And I guess when when that all happened, you could have gone one or two ways. You could have completely, I guess, imploded as a team, or you could have come together and go on to win a championship like you, like you, like you did. And to do it with a 23-year-old coach, Keegan, it was an unbelievable performance. Yeah, it was a very um, weird season, I guess. I missed the first six games. I was in Germany and I got back and then Chiba came in maybe mm. two or three weeks later and then, yeah, um, sort of that's when Craig left and Keegan came in. So I think it probably was, yeah, we Keegan, I think he was a point coach on the Thursday night. We played Mandra Friday and then Calamunda on the Saturday. Um, it was a bit of a whirlwind week and then the kind of the next week or so we sat down and said, you know, this can go one of two ways. and. You know, everyone bought into what Keegan um, had said and what our plans were, and yeah, the ultimate goal was to win a championship. And yeah, I'm really just proud of the group, considering how we did start the season to come out, um, yeah, with a championship win. And I think it's awesome for Keegan at such a young age that he's got that on his resume. And he is a really good coach, and he might be only 23, but I feel like he's a lot more mature than that, and he's been on 
our SBL bench since he was maybe 17, I think. So he does have mm-hmm. the experience there and he's willing to learn. And he, you know, he went over to States or Canada and did his time over there in college. Yeah. And yeah, I think, um, you know, he's only got so much more to go in his basketball career. Yeah, I was going to say, Darcy, with that uh, win last year, you know, being a senior player as such, it probably uh, would have been a little bit of a different feel, you know, with having senior girls like Kay Tucker and, and Fletcher and stuff in those earlier championships. Um, did it feel a little bit different just by being a the, the senior member on the team? Yeah, and I guess that's um, a good thing about having people like Tucks and Fletcher around for all those years. I was able to, you know, learn a lot of them. And um, one of the things that Ryan always did was kind of put the onus back on the leaders to, um, you know, with the girls to sort of, um, you know, have a massive role. You know, he didn't say too much off the court in terms of um, what the girls did. And the team culture and that, it was all up to the leaders. So I'm glad that I've had those girls to learn off. And, you know, it felt really natural last year stepping into sort of a leadership role, I guess, um, when we didn't have Ryan or those older girls. You mentioned Chiver as well, and she made such a huge impact. And she probably didn't get the credit she deserved for how important she was in your championship. And to me, it was kind of similar to Jacinta Bourne and how important she was too, where they're both that those players that make everyone around them better. And I'm sure whether it was Chibber or Jacinta, you would always love being on the end of end of their passes. Yeah, and I think uh, Chibber is so versatile. You know, she's six one, I think maybe six six one. She can play that point guard role, or um, she can shoot it. She can go inside and post a smaller guard up. And um, yeah, like you said, a lot of her stuff. Her work really does go unnoticed, um, but yeah, she's an absolute pleasure to play with, and I think she made a massive difference um, coming into the season about, yeah, maybe 10 games in last year, um, and we went on a bit of a roll, so I think, yeah, it was an awesome pickup by the club. Was she on her way back this year, Darcy? I think she was, yes, with the girls before um, everything happened. She was going to come back and play SBL. So um, Keegan sort of had her and Christina Bogue, uh, Chelsea, and a few of the younger girls ready to go again. Are you much of a much of a goal setter? If you have a look at what you've achieved already, you've done so much with the, the three SBL championships, the two WNBL championships, and, and playing for the Opals as much as you have already. Do you, are you someone that sets yourself goals moving forward, or do you just try to let things happen as they as they happen? Um, yeah, I'm a very, I guess, OCD sort of. I like to plan things out. I would plan my day to the minute mm. um, if I could just. Mm-hmm. That's the way I am. Um, I guess from a young age, I've always been told, you know, training time and had a sort of schedule to work by. So I do like to have, you know, a plan and a goal. And I guess in terms of WBL and SBL, winning championships are nice, but I also want to make sure that I'm developing my game. Um, and that was, you know, a massive goal of mine going over Townsville for the Dombio was to work with the likes of Susie and Kayla George at the time. I was only 21 and they were, you know, two starting or two, yeah, starting WNBL players and two Opals. Um, and then in terms of Opals, yes, I guess my goals are always to be going to an Olympics or a world champs. And I know that um, I haven't done that yet, but I think by the time you know the next Olympics comes around after Tokyo, I might be 29 or 30. So I like to think that that's a realistic goal that I have. And yeah, I do kind of set this, yeah, those goals or I guess you could call them dreams. It's remarkable to think that you've done so much already, but you could easily have 10 years left in your basketball career 
I'm hoping I'm nearly 26, so if I can go to my early 30s, uh, yeah, I'll um, keep on playing as long as I can. It's the best job in the world, um, you know, and I'm glad that, you know, I get to play basketball. I definitely missed it, um, you know, these last couple of months when we were stuck in isolation and lockdown. So, yeah, I'll be doing it for as long as my body lets me. What's it like? We touch, you touched on it with with Randy earlier, but what's it like having having a sister that's playing at the top level in netball as well while you're doing that in basketball? It, it must be it must be remarkable, but just when you're sitting there sitting at home and turn on the TV and you can watch watch each each other play and, and follow each other's careers. Yeah, it, uh, we are super super competitive. Um, could even like in the last couple of weeks when we were home quarantining together, we were lifting together. But every rep or every set was competition. Who could lift the most? Who could you know do sprints or whatever the fastest? But um, yeah, it's also I'm so proud of Sophie. Um, she's only twenty two, twenty three. She packed up her life here in person. Moved to Sydney when she was only twenty one. And I remember last year watching um, her team win the. Suncorp Super League, the grand final, and I was just sitting there, you know, so proud and crying. And um, yeah, it's great that you know that the netball is all over the TV, and she can watch us, you know, playing as well. And yeah, I'm just really, really proud of her. Who would win a fight out of you two, Darcy? One hundred percent, her. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like I think uh, maybe I was about eighteen, nineteen. Her and I probably had our last fight and she won really easily so I haven't <laughs> haven't tried to take her on since You touched on how good it is being able to watch her and the netball competition on TV how much does everyone involved in the WNBL hope that you get a bit more support and you know get a TV deal get, and just get that little bit of extra exposure and, and attention probably similar to what the, the men's competition the NBL has got in, in the last couple of years the, the competition on the court in the WNBL is fantastic it just needs to be exposed to, to the masses a little bit more yeah, so last year was our first season where all of the games were live streamed, which um, I think is great. You know, we have um, previously to obviously COVID, we had people from overseas coming to play in the league. So it was great that, you know, everyone from around the world was watching the WNBL and we were getting a little bit more exposure. Um, but yeah, it does suck when we're competing with the NBL at the same time. Obviously, Larry's done a great job with them and the exposure they have. So, you know, I think for me, it's just getting, you know, young girls down to the game and, you know, we are role models to them. So hopefully that they see that and that helps just, you know, further um, us getting exposure. When you're in Townsville, now that there's no, no Crocs playing in the NBL, as a fire player, do you feel like because it's not NRL season when you're playing, do you feel like you're the you're the big deal in town? Is that how you're treated in in Townsville? Yeah, most definitely. The community in Townsville gets behind the fire so much. Um, you know, even last year when we probably weren't that successful, we were still having mass crowds at games. Um, you know, that's one of the reasons why I love Townsville so much. People um, do come out every week to support you. Um, you know, and then there's little things like you'll be out grocery shopping and, you know, some 85-year-old grandma wants to come and tell you why you lost or why you missed a shot and stuff like that, which um, I guess sometimes could be annoying. But, no, it's why I love Townsville. Um, yeah, during the NRL season, they're crazy about the Cowboys, but in the summit, the girls definitely do get all the attention. Well, we might might wrap it up, Darcy, unless Randy's got anything anything to finish off with. No, I just um, I hope you come home, Darcy, and play for the Lynx. That's all I got to say. <laughs> and maybe yeah. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. Um, but yeah, no, it's exciting times, and I think it's going to be really exciting for basketball WA and the Lynx with Ryan at the helm. 
Yeah, yeah. And, good, and good good luck to you with with whatever you decide to do. And thanks for your um, thanks for your time. No worries. Thank you so much. Thanks, Darcy. You really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you. Okay, back here on SBL Shoot Around Randy, and and that was a that was a terrific chat. Thanks so much to Darcy Garbin for being so generous with her time and being so generous to to open up and talk to us about about anything. There's there's probably so much there we can can dissect, but um, as you touched on at the end, there's still hope there for a Perth Lynx point of view that she might end up signing signing locally and and reconnect with with Ryan Patrick. Yeah, let's hope so. You know, I look forward to seeing what Darcy does. You know, in the in the coming years, she seems pretty focused on on going all the way to the top as far yeah. as playing for the for the Opals. So. It's going to be a good watch. Yeah, in the bigger picture, I just hope she... I think she deserves the chance, and I hope she gets the chance to play at the Olympics next year. So whatever decision she makes WNBL-wise, it has to be whatever club will give her the best chance to... I guess improve enough to make sure she gets into that Opal scene for the Olympics. So that's a lot for her to weigh up, but um, I guess if she stays in touch with her coaching staff at the Opals, they'll... They'll tell her what they need to see, and she'll sign at a club that hopefully she can, can can perform at. And we'll wait and see who it is. But yeah, it was it was great for her to give us her time, and it was a, a great boost here for SBL Shootaround to have a guest of that that caliber. Yep, absolutely. So thanks very much, Darcy, once again. Now let's keep moving. Now last week we had a look at our first four teams that that were shaping up for this upcoming 2020 SBL season, and also touched on how they might be looking for this new competition, which I think it's firming has been called the West Coast Classic. We're going to run with that anyway until we are told otherwise. Um, so we've got four more teams to have a look at here, Randy, starting with one of your old rivals when you were coaching in Mandurah, the Lakeside Lightning. First time in a while they got a new coach, Steve Bazan, after Craig Mansfield decided to step down and take a break from, from his time in the league. Once again last year they were defending champions but they still finished as minor premiers but they never quite felt like they were the same unbeatable team and obviously not having Ali Schwagmeyer there was a big reason for that. Um, so it's going to be a very new look team this year. They would have had, I think, two new imports. Interesting that Jess Van Shee had retired, but again, she might be one of those players that in a shortened season decides to come back. She might be able to play for, for, for two months in this new competition, so we'll wait and see. But with a new coach and a, a lot of new players, it's probably hard to know how, how they were going to go. Yeah, I think, um, you know, they've still got um, you know some experience there with um, Courtney Mansfield. You know, yeah, um, Ash Grant, I think, was going to be back too. And Ash yeah. Grant, yeah, exactly. And some some of the younger girls would have would have come through through Craig. But yeah, it's probably a um, different building block for them. So with those two girls there, or two or three girls plus a couple of the young kids and, and an import, you know, they're still going to be sitting in the in the middle of the pack there. I reckon sitting yeah. probably fifth or sixth. Yeah, probably. At least Ironmonger, they've still got there too. So. Oh yeah, we forgot about yeah. Alice. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so yeah, I think they would have been more than competitive. And, and Steve Bazan is somebody that's been around Lakeside for a long time, so been waiting for a chance to be a coach, and now he's got that opportunity. Now, this is an interesting one, Randy. The Mandurah Magic, Craig Watts, in his second season now, after taking over the reins from you. He was coach of the year last year, took his team to, to second on the ladder at the end of the regular season. But as we just talked about with Darcy, they, they ran into a team that... You, Probably wasn't your usual number seven seed in their Rockingham Flames and, and lost that series. Um, to me, their, their squad probably looks like it was going to be improved. Um, Delaney Junkermeyer was was moving on, but she didn't offer a lot la- last season. Um, Anita Brown coming back, you know how good how good she was going to be. Um, they had signed another import as well. Um, so to me, their squad was looking like it might have even been a bit better than the one that he he had last year. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, also, you know, with Carly Bow coming sort of 
off the knee injury and mm. getting a little bit more court yep. time. And you know, she'd been over in Finland and done a great job in the off season mm-hmm. and was playing some really good basketball. So she would have come back uh, ready to go. And you know, you know, you're going to get points with Anita. I think the Nyla Jemison Myers was mm-hmm. a, was a bigger girl, yep. you know, which uh, you know, Mandra generally don't have mm. big tall girls. So that would have been good to the to the side. So I, I agree with you. I sort of think they they probably would have been a little bit better. That's the good news. Now in this new look competition, <laughs> I don't think they'll have either import obviously, because they're not here. No. Um, I don't think Carly Bogue is going to be coming back for this new competition either. No. I don't think Emma Clastorny is going to be either. No. So just getting a team on the court might be a battle. Yeah, I think um, Craig might have to look at it another way and, you know, bring some of the local girls through and, you know, you still may have um, a few sort of veterans out. I'm not sure what the case is Milo's playing. But, um, yeah, it's a good chance for Craig to to use it however he wants to use Mm. it. What sort of numbers is Casey Meagle capable of? Um, she just needs to get into a position where she can spend a lot of time and she sort of gets tossed around a little bit in, mm. in different positions. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's no reason why she could, you know, get close to double figures. Mm-hmm. Um, she really prides herself on her defense and, yep. and, and, and it's got a lot stronger. So I would, I would expect that she'd have a, a better season. Mm-hmm. Where do you think that team would have finished with the team that they were looking like they would have come into this season with? Well, definitely in the top four. Yep. Yeah, very, yep. very close to the top two. You know, it just depends what sort of injuries and luck you get when you get get to that pointy end of the season. So, yeah, very, very good squad. Yeah, I think I think behind the June Light Wolves, they look to, to have been the second best roster that had been amassed that we've looked at so far. Obviously, things are a little bit different now, but it's a different competition we're talking about now as well. Um, the Perry Lakes Hawks, um, obviously... They had a, had a good season last year. Um, they really dominated the Wolves in that in that quarterfinal series that they ended up ended up playing. But then um, they really struggled against Rockingham as well, and, and couldn't get past the, the semi-finals. Um, Jamie Jamie Cherry was a handy point guard, but I would have thought Nikki Gilday is an upgrade on her. So that that was working in their favour. They had added another import, Julie Spencer, who I guess was largely to replace Megan McKay, who had had a had a massive impact coming back from college in the second half of last season. But I still think they were going to have Nat Burden, who was coming back. So anytime she's there, she she has a significant impact. You know, Docky Smith still coaching. Um, yeah, every reason to suggest they would have been pretty strong too. Yeah, I think they would have made the top four um, with those inclusions and Maddie Dennis there as well. He's, he's yeah. come back from college, as has Kate Williams, I believe, um, mm-hmm. who played down at Rockingham. So yeah, you know, losing Megan McKay is a, a big loss, but they're still still tall. You know, yep. they've still got the tools there. Yep. Um, and Nikki Gilday's, I think, has got better since she's left Mandra. You know, she's mm-hmm. experienced uh, um, championships in Europe, mm-hmm. um, so she would have been uh, a, an upgrade from Cherry, I think uh, you get a lot of a lot more consistency yeah. out of Nikki Gilday. Were you surprised to see her coming back? The yeah, week? I was a little bit. I was a little. Would have been interesting to watch them, them play Mandra. Yeah, and you know, and see see Anita and Nikki go at it. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, it's good to see that she, you know, thinks the league's good enough for her to come back because she yeah. she's a very good player. Absolutely. Um, Perth Redbacks. Last team we'll look at Craig Allen coming into his second season as coach. They were close to the playoffs last year. Just just fell a little bit short, and they had had some injuries late in the season, which didn't help them. Now they. Got, they've lost Australia Williams, which is a, a big loss. We talked about her last week and how good she could be for the Junior Lot Wolves now that she's made made that move. Rosie Deegan was, was a very handy player as well, but she's gone off to college. Um, Alex Haywood is a, an experienced player. You know, m- m- bringing in Maddie Allen is, is huge. She obviously was massive for 
Rockingham in their championship win last season and then had a really good WNBL season at the at the links. So she's a, a massive signing. Raya Thompson would have been a handy pickup. Um, some some other handy names there as well. But maybe, yeah, for mine, maybe they're just one of those teams that would have been fighting for 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 eighth spot by by the end of the season. Yeah, I think Craig done a done a great job straight up. He was um, probably a little unlucky not to push into the playoffs just mm-hmm. with like you say those injuries. And I think Deegan might have left with a yeah. few games to go yep, she since she was putting up some some good numbers. Um, good to see Raya Thompson back after having a you know a knee reconstruction. She had a really it was a horrible injury, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, she's she's almost missed two years, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was, and she's a great kid. So I wish her all the best. Um, but uh, they'd be competitive for sure. So it just depends who they put on the, the court on, on any given night. But, yeah. Um, the girl that escapes me is a point guard that plays for the Lynx. Is she, was she coming back? Uh, Lauren Mansfield. I, Lauren think, Mansfield. I, th- I think she was. Maddie Allen was really looking forward to to playing with her for the full season. Yeah, well, she was here for the full season. I think, you know, she probably would have pushed yep. him into the playoffs. I think she might have missed the last couple of games last she, season too, which meant that they didn't didn't yeah. win, win enough to get yeah. into the playoffs. Yeah. yeah, she went off to Opal's squad, yep. I believe. Yeah. Yep. All right, so out of those four, I reckon we've got certainly Mandra and Perry Lakes. We can lock into our top four. Lakeside pretty close to it, so we'll look at our last four teams next week, but we've almost got our top four locked away. Yeah, who we got left? We would have Rockingham, obviously. There's a... Defending champs. Yeah. We have, Sterling. Yeah, the Warwick Senators, who were the grand finalists from last year. Uh, <laughs> what are we doing? The Southwest Slammers, who um, I think the difference between what they could have done and will do now will be significant. And then we've got Simon Parker's Bulletin Tigers. Uh, yeah, like I said, we could just throw a rug over them, but we've got to put it in some order, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> we will. We'll have to give it a go. Um, now, just quickly, a little bit more news about what we'll call the West Coast Classic. I don't know if that's something that has come just out of Mark Utley's mouth or if it's something real or not, but we'll go with it. Um, a bit more news about the competition that looks likely to still happen. It's going to be a full round of competition where everyone will play each other once and then a knockout finals series. Um, the most interesting part, and this is what Dion told us last week as well, that if you have imports that are currently in Perth or in WA, they can they can play with your team, but obviously nobody from the outside can come into WA right now. So the difference between teams that have their imports and teams that don't is going to be significant. But also, I believe that this it's a bit of an arms race where you can you can spend up big if you want to, and the salary cap won't be enforced this season. But I guess some clubs are looking with an eye to the NBL One competition next season and and trying to load up there and trying to I guess do some recruiting right now to replace the imports that they won't have and, and to have a competitive team. Um, what do you what do you make of what you're hearing about this competition so I, far? I can't add anything more than what you've mm. you've said, Chris. Really, I haven't heard anything. I have spoken to a few people, and exactly what you've you've said is um, what I'm hearing as well. So yeah, I won't talk just for the sake of talking. <laughs> All right, last segment here on this week's SBL Shootaround, and it's been a been a massive show. Hopefully, we're getting better each and every week here, Randy. We're certainly enjoying it more and more every week. And that chat with Darcy Garvin that we had was was very enjoyable for us, and hopefully, everyone enjoyed enjoyed listening to it, and hopefully, got a lot out of it because she's she's one of the best players Western Australia's ever produced basketball wise. She's one of the best players in the country right now. She has unlimited potential still as a as a 26 year old. So fantastic for her to give up her time to talk to us, and hopefully, you all enjoyed that. But yeah, there's 
there's plenty more for us to talk about as well. So hopefully you enjoyed our chat about Ryan Patrick becoming the new Perth Lynx coach. And certainly in coming weeks, we hope to have him on the show to talk to him more, more about that. Four more teams that we looked at, how they were shaping up for the 2020 SBL season and how they are now looking for the replacement West Coast Classic. So if you're interested in hearing more about how, how Perry Lakes or the Lakeside Lightning or the Perth Redbacks or, yeah, the Mandra Magic, of course, are the ones that, that, that I'm thinking of too. Ha- have a listen back to that and f- and let us know if you thought we were on the money. But also a very special sponsor on board for the first time this week. So that is a massive for our show here and for showing that we seem to be do- doing something right here on SBL Shootaround. So we'll leave it there for another week. We'll have another big show for you next week as well and hopefully keep this momentum going. So I'm Chris Pike. I'll wrap things up and leave you in the trusty hands of Randy Meagle. Yeah, well, from what we're hearing, girls, I think it's time to uh, start getting to the gym, up in your practice and getting ready for some games because uh, we're really looking forward to seeing some action and coming out and making comment on your, on your games.